Hi, this is Ryan Roberts, and you're listening to The Millennial Preacher, the show where we talk about tough subjects and answer the hard questions. I hope it's both positive and encouraging, but I also hope it challenges you in all the right ways. Well, I'm excited, so let's get going with today's show. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be reading 17 through 27. There's something going on right there. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 27. If you got it, say, I got it. (laughs) It's right there. So this day I say and solemnly uh, affirm together with the Lord as in his presence that you must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. For their understanding is darkened and their reasoning is clouded, alienated and self-banished from the life of God because of ignorance and spiritual blindness that is within them, because of the hardness and insensitivity of their heart, and they, the ungodly and the spiritual apathy, having become callous and unfeeling, have given themselves over as prey to unbridled sensuality, eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity. But you did not learn from Christ in this way. If in fact you have heard him and have been taught by him, just as the truth is in Jesus, revealed in his life and personified in him, that regarding your precious way of life, previous way of life, you put off the old self, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires, and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, rejecting all falsehood, Speak truth, each one with his neighbor, for we are all parts of one another. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger last until the sun goes down, and do not give the devil an opportunity or to hold on to a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Father, this is your word. God, I pray that you will penetrate it deep into our hearts. God, I pray that this morning is not my words. God, but it's yours, Jesus. I pray that you will teach every single one of us something, including myself, God. It's all about you. It's not about anybody else. And God, we honor you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of things I want to tell you about this, uh, this, these scriptures. First of all, I read from the Amplified Bible, so it may have been a little bit different from yours. But one thing I want to point out to you, first of all, I want to point out to you that he's talking about being born again. Say born again. When you become a Christian and I become a Christian, we have a regenerated life. Regenerated means literally I was one way and I was transformed into something else. The Bible says that our minds can be transformed by the renewing of our mind and that we have access to the mind of Christ. So when temptation comes into our mind, into our life, and it undoubtedly will because we're in a fallen world and we are it's still in our human flesh suits, we have something that enables us to overcome and to flee that temptation. Amen? The next thing that I want to point out to you towards the bottom of the scripture, it says to be angry. If you look up the original language behind that, he's talking about being angry as sin. Not one another, not at your church, not at your pastor, not at the guy who stole your seed this morning, but be angry at sin. But by the end of the day, don't let, don't give the devil an opportunity to keep that going and to eventually turn into bitterness and anger and all these different things towards other people. Amen, somebody? 
So I want to talk to you this morning about doors. Have you ever thought about a door? Probably not. I've thought a lot about it. It's, it's an interesting thing if you consider a door. I, I wonder when the very first group of people decided we don't want a giant gaping hole in our house or in our home or in our cave or whatever. We want a door. We want something blocking animals and other people, and we want to protect their stuff. So we're going to put a door up. Let me give you a definition of a door, and I don't mean to insult you, but it, it helped teach me something. A door is a moving structure used to block off and allow access to. It's an entrance to or within an enclosed space, such as a building or vehicle. Doors normally consist of a panel that swings and hinges, etc., etc. Typically, doors have an interior side and an exterior side. When open, doors admit people, animals, uh, light, ventilation, and when they close, it can control the atmosphere. Doors can prevent the spread of fire. They also act as a barrier of noise. Many doors are equipped with locking mechanisms. Doors are used to screen areas of the building for aesthetics and making it look pretty. Doors also, you can talk about gates. That was a different early version of doors. And the earliest record of doors that we know about is the Egyptians who put it on tombs and it had to do with the afterlife. Imagine for a moment how many doors you and I walk through every single day. No matter if it's your work door, your house door, your room door, your bathroom door, we walk through a lot of doors and we probably don't even think about it. We just don't notice them because we're so used to them. It's common. You've been walking through doors since you were an infant, even if you didn't know it. And I want to talk to you this morning about two doors. Say two doors. I want to tell you a funny story. When I was a child, my mother was always uh, very, very big on making sure the door was closed. And I was one of those kids that liked nature. I liked being outside. I liked running and jumping and barefoot, being in mud, all that different stuff. But I would leave the door open sometimes. And if it was left open for too long, she would always say, you've got to let the buds in. In fact, I want to just see if we can all do that together real quick. If you're going to leave the door open, you're going to let the bugs in. And so she always would say that, or she would say, we don't live in a barn, we don't live like animals, and she would tell me that we have to shut the door. Anybody else can relate to that experience? Because if you leave that door open, in fact, I did that probably the other day, she doesn't know about it, and I noticed in the middle of the night a mosquito flying around in the house. Bugs got in because I left my door open. It's very, very interesting if you consider doors, and then we start talking about spiritual doors. I want to talk about some, some statistics, and I don't believe God is bound to any statistics because he's God, but I want to talk about some things that is really, truly going on, not just in the world, but in the church today. Drug use is on the rise in this country. This is from 2010. 23.5 millions have confessed to being addicted to alcohol and or drugs. That's approximately one in every 10 Americans over the age of 12. But only, according, again, this is in 2012, September 2010, excuse me, uh, but only 11% of those ever receive any type of treatment or rehab. Over 38,000 people died of drug overdoses in the United States in 2010. That's greater than the deaths of motor vehicle accidents, homicides, and suicides. Overdose deaths from opioids have become the fastest growing drug problem in the United States. And it's not just in large urban areas. Pornography status. 40 million Americans, or 40, 40 million yeah, American people regularly admit to viewing a pornography site of some kind. 
25% of all search engine queries are related to pornography. That's about 68 million searches a day. And it's not just men. According to this, one-third of porn viewers are women. Every 39 minutes, a new pornography video is created in the United States. According to suicide.org, a teen takes his or her, her own life every 100 minutes. Depression affects approximately 19 million Americans, or 9.5 of any given year. Gossip is one thing that will kill the church, and we don't like to talk about that, but according to Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, we are not supposed to let corrupted speech into the body. There's a lot of doors that people open into their lives, either intentionally or unintentionally. I have met several people that that say that they're addicted to this, that, and the other. No judgment, no hate. But I've met a lot of people. I've done some homeless ministry. I've done street ministry. I've done food bank ministry, not here, but in other places. And I've met a lot of people. And a lot of times, if you start talking to someone that says that they're addicted, they never said they wanted to be or that they still want to be. It never happens that way. Nobody ever picks up something, a substance, a thing, an image, a whatever, and says, I want to be addicted to this for the rest of my life. Nobody does that. It oftentimes starts out as a self-prescribed thing to numb an issue going on. It is a real issue within our community and in our country, but in Jesus' name this morning, some things are going to get broken off. Some doors are going to close. Tell somebody, shut that door. There are so many doors in this world, in our towns, in our schools, and in our church. This room is full of different thoughts, struggles, and issues. According to the statistics that I mentioned and many that I didn't, there are many people that struggle with self-harm issues or think about harming others. There's people that struggle with same-sex attractions. There's people that struggle with hatred. There's people that struggle with all sorts of different things. And let me tell you something, folks. I'm talking about Christians. I'm saying that we have unintentionally or intentionally at some point opened the door into something we never wanted and some bugs got in. And even though when we bow down or whatever we do, when we give our life to Christ and we pray that prayer and we repent of our sins, a lot of times we never close the door. I've met, it was actually, and I won't tell you who it is, not saying you would know who it is anyway, a young person, 17, 18 years old, came to me two weeks ago, and he says, Pastor Ryan, I'm addicted. Straight up said it. I said, well, listen, ma'am, I fully believe the Lord can take that away from you. But you have to make the choice. Because right now, the choice that you have given to that particular thing is you're allowing a substance, in his case, a vial of liquid, to control a small piece of your life. Instead of giving complete and total lordship and control to Jesus, you've given a little piece of it to something else. And you can define that as worshiping a false idol. And I said, as long as you continue to hold on to that thing and you still continue to, we'll say, worship it, bow down to it, give in to it, it's going to stay. You've opened the door, it's come in, but I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says that Jesus Christ can close doors that no man can open and open doors that no man can close. Amen? One of my spiritual fathers, Pastor Marty, he used to say to us all the time, and I've got some people that know Pastor Marty, so that's kind of cool. He used to say all the time that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is a gentleman. He will take anything and everything that you give him, but you have to be willing to give it to him.
He's not going to come into my house or your house and steal away whatever our issue is. And I'm not just talking to addicts. I'm talking to just the thought life. I'm talking to uh, maybe a, a grudge between a brother or a sister, whatever it may be. The, the uh, Lord is not going to come in and just steal it from you. You have to be willing to give it to him. And I'm going to tell you again, it, the first step is giving your life to Christ. And four of you did this morning. That is the first step. But it is a first step to a brand new life that you have to continue to work on. I fully believe that the Lord can take away something instantaneously or over time. And it does not matter which way it happens. Both are still miraculous. Can we give them some glory? Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, I don't struggle with anything like that. Amen. Maybe you're saying, I don't have any of those problems or any of those things. Well, maybe your issue is sloth. Maybe your issue is not making sons of heaven, but just sitting in, in a chair. I'm not talking to any of you. I'm talking to someone, you know, far, far away. A question I want to pose to you, and this is a friend, another friend that used to say this all the time, are we making sons of heaven or are we making sons of hell? And silence is the same thing as making sons of hell. We have a duty and a job as Christians to be ministers of reconciliation. doesn't mean you have to have a microphone or a coat or whatever. It just means we show love. We are peculiar people. We are different. We are changed. We are made new. And it's a process of sanctification and discipleship. As Pastor mentioned, we become more and more like Jesus. doesn't mean you walk out of here perfect. It means you walk out of here striving to be more like the one who is, and his name is Jesus. Sometimes, and it's, 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 I love the Lord. This has already been mentioned this morning, and we didn't even realize it. Sometimes there are doors open over our lives and in our lives that we never even opened. Sometimes it's a thing called generational curses. And sometimes a door was open maybe three generations ago. And I'm just going to use one particular example. Three years ago, let's just say I had a great-great-great-grandfather who liked to drink too much and he was an alcoholic. He opened the door over his children and his children's children and his children's children and his children's children of alcoholism. But because of God's grace and mercy and the blood of Jesus, that I have the right as a son of the Most High God, I can apply the blood to that thing and stop it so my kids will never struggle with it. But we have to get teaching. We have to make the decision to close the door. Say, shut that door. Doors not only can lead you down a path that you don't want to, but it can allow stuff in. I believe that not only are there doors that are bad and not good, and, and, and we don't want to open those doors, but there's doors to blessing. There's an open door over heaven this morning. We saw that very clearly this morning, uh, that the Lord manifested in this house through salvation and through healing and through different signs and wonders that he was doing this morning. There is a door that's open to heaven right now, but we have to be the one to reach up and get what the Lord says that we get. We have to understand that there's good doors and there's positive doors. As Pastor said, there's not just generational curses. There's generational blessings. James 1. James 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. There is two judgments that will take place at the end of mine in your life. First of all, if you're a Christian, if you know the Lord, not just know him, but you have a relationship with him, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And the second one is what did we do from that point on? And I have said it in this church before. I've said it in other places. I have one goal, only one. I pray I get married. I pray I have kids. I pray that I do all these things I want to do. But that's not my goal. I have one. I have one race that I'm really running. And it's on me, not on anyone else in this world. I want to stand face to face with my God someday. And I want him to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Even if I feel that I never did enough, because I don't think I ever will. I, I, I really believe, and I, and I think it's uh, exemplified through, through great saints and preachers and pastors and, and evangelists and all these people that have went on to be with the Lord. At the end of their lives, they were still preaching the gospel. It was never done. It never it fi- it finished until they came face to face. And I can't imagine what that'll be like. I don't know exactly, and I know what the Bible says, but I, think, I don't know if we can picture it in our minds, and that's okay. But I want to hear job well done. But we got to shut some doors. Say, shut that door. We are imitators of Christ, and Jesus has the authority. I tell my kids all the time. I have, I have three student leaders. I think there's two here this morning. And I tell them all the time, listen, I'm not expecting you to be perfect. I'm not expecting you never to make a mistake. I'm not expecting those things. But what I am expecting is when you do... There's something inside of you that says, I shouldn't have done that. There's something inside of you that says, I need to repent and get back on the path. There's something different inside of you. What I expect them is what I expect from me. That I'm not perfect because I'm a man in a fallen world, but that I'm striving to be like Jesus. And part of that is shutting doors. Say, shut that door. Doors also prevent things from coming your way. If we leave a door open... You might not see anything come through it for a long time. But if it stays open and it's never shut, it might peer its ugly head 10 years from now. There's an awful lot of people that opened a door in their very young age and it didn't appear again until 20 years later and now they're in a marriage and they have children. And now that door is still wide open and something comes walking through and it was just allowed right in because the door was never shut. But this morning, we're going to shut those doors. Notice that there's another door. We have one door that we have open and, and, and it's a door that we've allowed something to come in or we've walked into something that we never really wanted to, but it's not a good thing. But there's another door. So there's another door. There's another door, and I want to tell you that one door is very, very, very attractive. The devil is not going to tempt you with something that looks ugly. The devil is not going to tempt you with something that doesn't feel good. The devil is not going to tempt you with something that you wouldn't enjoy. It it doesn't make any sense. And so that door very, very often looks very attractive and appealing, and it just feels like it's drawing you to it. But there's another door. In Luke chapter 13, 24 through 27 says, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. 
because many, I tell you, will try to enter, will not be able to do so. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught us in the streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, I tell you, evildoers. Jesus said in John ten nine, I am the door. By me, if any man will enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. If you're in this house and you have not walked through the door of Jesus, you're not a Christian, you've never applied the blood, you can't close the other doors. That's why the world is screaming all of these false religions and cults and groups and political groups and all of these different things because as someone that is not a Christian is constantly craving a purpose and craving help and guidance. I don't know if you've met anyone, and I don't mean to make light of anyone's situation, uh, but if you've ever met someone during this COVID-19 that doesn't have Jesus, oftentimes they're freaking out just a little bit. And I'm not saying we don't need to be smart. We have a brain. We have a mind that the Lord gave us. We have to be smart. That's why we have to abide by the guidelines and do the different things and, and not, you know, go into a urgent care center and rub all over the things or whatever. We have to be smart. But we have a hope. The Bible tells us not to worry as if we are hopeless people. We know this world is temporary, and I don't want to die anytime soon. I pray that it's many, many, many years from now, and I pray the same for you. But I know that this is not my home. This is a temporary workspace that the Lord has given me, and I get to experience incredible things. And we experience love and friendships and relationships and, and all the things that we get to see. We get to watch football on TV and all these cool things that the Lord lets us do. But this is my workspace. If you come to Holy Spirit class this afternoon at 2.30, we're going to talk about how we are workmen partnered with the Holy Spirit. But I'm not going to freak out when things happen that don't look so good. You know, a lot of Christians, maybe you didn't, that's fine, but a lot of Christians, including myself, prayed for the year 2020. I want 2020 vision. I want to be able to see things that are unseen. And then we did, and we didn't like it. Revelation 3, 7b through A. I don't know if that one's coming up or not. I don't remember if I gave it to him. He's talking to a specific church, but I believe it can relate to us today. It says, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he closes, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my words and have not denied my name. Let me tell you something. The Lord, when he sent Jesus, it was purposeful that he sent him in the flesh. You know, it, it blew my mind as a child. Why would he do that? I, I understand we needed a perfect sacrifice, but why didn't he send him through another way? Why did he have to grow up and become a man? Why didn't it just happen with little baby Jesus? Well, you know, I, it didn't make sense to my mind, but I want you to understand something. According to the word of God, Jesus in the flesh had dealt with every type of human temptation and conquered it and beat it so that now when I claim his name, I can conquer it and I can beat it in Jesus' name. Maybe you're sitting here and you said, I walked through the door, Jesus. I've, I've, I've done that. I'm a Christian. I, 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 know, I know I have a relationship with him, but there's still stuff in my life I don't want. 
Let me tell you something. When I first became a Christian, that was one of my biggest issues. I thought, man, I know, I know, I know that I know him because he met with me on my bedroom floor on my knees one night. There was no preacher there. There was no choir or band. There was no fancy anything. There was just me and him, and he spoke directly to me, and I gave my life to him and vowed I'd live for him. But there was still junk in my life that I had held on to. There were still doors open that I had left open and didn't know how to close. And there were bugs all over the place. Some of them were great big and some of them were small and some of them was hidden things and some of them weren't so hidden. And there was so much stuff and it led me to a path to seek out people and asking, help me. I'll never forget when I first became a Christian, I jumped into ministry, not knowing what I'm doing, still don't, but I'm trusting him in Jesus' name. But in 2012, I started a small little Bible study, and I was helping out at a church right down the road, and I just wanted to help. It didn't matter what I did. I, I, I didn't want a microphone, any of that. I just wanted to help, and so I'd show up early and help clean. And, and I asked two youth pastors to join me at Waffle House, because that's where you go to discuss important things. And so we went to Waffle House. You know it's true. So we went to Waffle House. And, and it's late, it's after service, and they're, I mean, they're just gobbling up their all-stars, and I'm sitting there, and I'm almost in tears. And I said, guys, I, I got to talk to you. And they had noticed that the, the Lord was, has done something, and that I was called to do something. And I still didn't know what that was, and I didn't claim to be anything at all. And, and I sat there with them, and I said, guys, I've got to ask you something. I said, I am terrified of messing this up. Because I recognize my faults and my problems and my issues. I recognize that I still have bitterness at the time in my heart towards family members that had wronged me. I recognize that I was mad and angry at situations and problems that I had all against people. I recognized that at the time I felt like I had no friends in the world because most of them was gone out of my life because they didn't want to follow the path of Jesus with me and I couldn't be around them anymore. So love them, just couldn't be around them. And I'm like, guys, I'm going to screw it up. I, I know the Lord has called me, and I don't know what ministry is. I have no stinking clue what ministry is, but I know i got to do something. And I'm doing this little Bible study, and it's growing, and it's, it's, it's stupid to me. It made no sense because it went from, like, just a few of us in a basement, and it grew to, like, 30-something people. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, 19. <laughs> And I'm like, man, what is this? It, it's not church, because my version of church was pews and a piano, which that's not church either. Church is the body. But I'm like, it's not church. Surely it's not church, because it doesn't look like church to me. I know it's not a small group, because we're doing more than just what a small group does in my mind. And I said, I'm, I'm scared to death. And they looked at each other, and they started laughing. I can still see... I can see the crumbs dropping from Gabe's beard right now. And, and, and Pastor Gabe, and I can't remember the guy's name right now, and, and they looked at me. One was Baptist, one was Methodist. Crazy. And they looked at me and they said, if you do it with you, you will. And shocked to my system. If you do it, you will. And I said, what does that mean? I'm already doing it. And they looked at me and they said, but... If you let him do it, you'll go real far because he's going to take you somewhere and he's going to do something through you and it's all for his glory. And let me tell you something. I, I pray and I pray every single day this, Pastor. I pray every day that anything and everything I do, whether it's a Facebook post, an Instagram preaching, youth ministry, a game we play, I pray every single thing we do does not bring me glory, but it brings him glory. 
And so today I say to you Christians, I say to every one of us, I, I really fully believe if we took a straw poll and I said, if you could leave this morning, you could leave this house, you could leave this church and go home and you'd be better than you were before, whatever that means to you, every single person would say, sure, I'd love to be better. Who don't? You want to go backwards? If I said that, every single person would say, I want to be better. But we have to make the decision for us as individuals, and we have to begin to close doors, say, shut that door. Here's a question. And this ties back to Pastor's, Pastor's incredible sermon series that we just came out of, Your Brother's Keeper. That was straight from the Lord, straight from the Holy Spirit. I fully believe that it was perfect for where we are right now. Maybe the problem is, is you're trying to close doors alone. Maybe the problem is, is you have a door open and there's stuff coming in and out that you don't want and you don't know how to close it, but you never sought after a seasoned believer that already learned how to close it. Maybe the problem is, is you never took the time to confess to someone else in the church. I'm talking about a trusted individual. I'm not talking about the uh, mouth of the South, and I'm not saying as any of you, there's somebody down the road. I'm not talking about not talking to a trusted individual. I'm talking about talking to a Christian brother or sister that you trust and that you know is going to hold you accountable in love and in grace, but in truth. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. I had someone the other day, and I, I not, you wouldn't know who he is. He don't even live in Georgia. But I had someone the other day. He is a friend of mine, but we have some different theological beliefs. And how many of you know that's okay to have some different beliefs? But we're still Christians. We're still brothers. And I, I had posted something about church, and, and he said, I wholeheartedly disagree with you. I don't think going to church is, is, is an essential, necessary thing. And I said, well, you didn't hear what I said. I wasn't talking about going to a building. I was talking about going to church. And, and he kind of caught on a little bit. And I said, you don't understand, man. I love you. I'm not arguing with you, but you don't understand. I'm not talking about the size of the people in the room. I'm talking about going to church. And he said, well, I'm talking about my kids. I don't need my kids to go. I can teach my kids. I said, yes, you can, and you should as mother and father. But if you've never been through that and you're a new Christian, how would you know how? In fact, the Bible says without a preacher, how will they hear? And I said, I'm not talking about that. I, I fully agree. You need to be a Christian home and teach your kids at home how to pray and worship and read their word and experience things. The Holy Spirit walks with you everywhere you go. But I'm talking about going to church. And I, I said, church can happen in Starbucks. Church can happen in your car. Church can happen down at Chesity High School. I've seen it happen. Church can happen out in the field over here. Church can happen, yes, inside of a building, but it's not bound to a building whatsoever because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and when we come together, we have church. 
Hi everyone, Ryan Roberts here, and I hope you're enjoying today's show. I want to take just a moment and interrupt and let you know that you can help grow the Millennial Preacher. That's right, over this past year, the Millennial Preacher podcast has reached literally thousands of people all over the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. On our website, we've been able to help people with our blog posts, our free resources, and our hub that is able to provide discipleship tools for the everyday person and to help grow people in their personal walk. Everything is 100% free, but we're ready to go to the next level. That's right. Our podcast is currently on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, YouTube, and so many more streams. But to date, we haven't taken any monetary value for anything that we have done. Everything has been solely supported by myself and my family and my friends. Currently, nothing is being paid to me, but if you want to help us get to a 501c3 nonprofit status so we can open a bank account and officially begin accepting donations, all you have to do is go to GoFundMe.com slash Ryan Roberts Ministries. There you can read about more of our goals and what we hope to do and also find resources about myself. If you feel the Lord lead you and or if you've been blessed by this ministry, I hope that you will give and always thank you for your prayers and support. I also want to let you know in October 2020, we're going to be providing our very first free discipleship class on themillennialpreacher.com. This class is the Holy Spirit class. It's a four-part video series with free notes. So I hope that you check that out and I hope that you share it with all your friends and family. And now let's get back to today's show. Hi everyone, you just listened to part one of today's show. Part two will be uploaded in a separate episode, so if you want to listen to it, and I know you do, all you have to do is click on part two on the Lingo Preacher Podcast. I'll see you there.